The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. A Wednesday is upon us. Check a look at what we saw. Some some green on the screen when it came to, to the grains. And Arlen Suderman, by the way, is joining us from FC Stone. So I asked Arlen, is this tomorrow's report or is there some other factors being built in? And you, Arlen, are telling me it's kind of a combination of a few things. Yeah, it's one of those all of the above situations. We do have some concerning weather out there. July was supposed to be a cool, wet month. Um, but sea surface temperatures are changing, and that's changing the weather pattern, and we're going more uh, warm and dry right now. In fact, if you look at July month to date, it's one of the hotter Julys that we've had uh, nationally uh, since 1950. Not the hottest, but, you know, like in the top 10 or so. Um, it, the forecast models are still expecting next week to be the, the hottest. And then conditions cool, and by the end of the month, we're normal to below normal and uh, cooling off into August. Now, that's important for a couple of different reasons. First of all, how July goes tends to be how August goes. If you look at correlations between one month's temperatures and the next month's temperatures, the correlation between July and August is higher than any other combination of months. And so uh, how we end up July makes a big difference. If we're going to be hot in July, we're probably going to be hot in August. And so that does matter. The second reason it matters is because a tremendous amount of this year's corn crop is planted in tight soils. And so it has a very limited root structure. So it makes it very easy to go into a flash drought situation where you may have plenty of subsoil moisture, but the roots simply can't reach it. They don't go deep enough. And with a smaller canopy, in many places, the corn may be still knee high. The sun's still reaching the ground and helping to dry out that soil uh, at the most, you know, where we're at the time of year where the sun's most direct straight up and down. And so we can very quickly go into flash drought situation. That's particularly true for soybeans, uh, where we've been having trouble canopying over the rows this year with the late planting and, and the slow development. So that's important. The market's watching that, but we have this big crop report coming up tomorrow that you mentioned. Generally, there's a lot about this report that's a throwaway report. There will be some areas of value. The acreage numbers, the yield numbers, um, really tough to put too much confidence in them, just like the June 28th acreage report. Once we get to August, then USDA will have better data and the numbers will mean more. But the trade is braced for some uh, bearish surprises, particularly in corn and wheat. That's what it fears. It fears that USDA will use a higher acreage number and not adjust the yield and therefore have a higher carryout on corn and confirm a big wheat crop in the plains and and overall raised stocks. And so that's why corn and wheat have generally been under pressure. Soybeans, the USDA expected to adopt the June 28th number. That means reducing planted acres down to 80 million. That by itself reduces the balance sheet. Then if USDA makes a reduction in yield because of the overall condition of the crop, that would further shrink the balance sheet, not necessarily make it tight, but shrink it, be less bearish. So there's been some of that spreading between the markets. Late in the day, we had one of the models 
just one. The others didn't agree with it, but one of the models went hotter and drier as we look out the next two weeks, and that was enough to kind of spur this market to get going. But I think once we get past tomorrow's report, and that's what traders want to do, is just get past this report. It's really the August report where we're going to have more substance they can put some confidence in. Then I think the focus is going to be pretty heavily on how these weather forecasts are looking as we go into the last half of July when we're going to really get into the the meat of the pollination period for this year's corn crop. And is there any concern, Arlen, because everything we have heard from agronomists is we're looking anywhere 10 to, to 15 days later in pollination. Yeah, absolutely that is the case. And we're going to have some corn in significant portions of the Midwest in key production states like Illinois that will not pollinate until maybe early to mid-August. And uh, in, in some of the northern areas of Illinois, that's critical. You look at Indiana and Ohio, um, even in the western Midwest, we've got some areas with some August pollination. And so from, from that standpoint, the heat is good in giving us more growing degree units to kind of help that corn catch up. But it has to come with moisture. That's going to be the key. And if you look at the northern Midwest, it looks like, and particularly northwestern Midwest, it looks like it's going to have adequate moisture. But if you look at the next two weeks out, the, the storm systems are pretty much going to be pushed to the northern Midwest. The one exception is we've got a tropical storm expected to develop in the Gulf of Mexico over the next couple of days. And some of the weather models pull that moisture up into the eastern Midwest. And if that happens, that'll give that region, which is most vulnerable, a big break. But confidence is very low in that. So if it doesn't happen, then we could have a major story on our hands. So is soybeans going to continue in the weeks to be kind of the leader within this grain market? Yeah, I think ultimately it's going to come down to corn being the leader. I think the 91.7 million acres that USDA published on June 28th and that we expect to be used in tomorrow's WASDE report really set that back. Plus, you know, we've been talking for weeks, the expectations that corn ratings would kind of rise here in the middle of the growing season, and they're starting to do that as the taller corn crop hides a lot of the problems of the crop. If we turn off hot and dry, that'll reveal a lot of those problems again. If we don't turn off hot and dry, those problems will be revealed at harvest time. Um, but for now, that's why soybeans are taking a little bit more lead. But in the end, I think it's going to be corn because it doesn't have as large as a percentage of usage of a carryout. And, and I think the problems are still very severe, but just not really known right now in the crop. Lots to think about when it comes to this crop. Stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. Speaking of, we're going to get an update as what's been happening with African swine fever. Some serious numbers to look at, and I'm sure what the effects will be here in the U.S. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Morning. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us for part two. And we look at the livestock side of the trade. African swine fever continues. We hear it ebb and flow. But some interesting numbers, Arlen, and I know that you had tweeted about it earlier this week and had some interesting questions coming back from a lot of folks when it comes to lost production in China. Yeah, absolutely. We're continuing to see evidence that uh, African swine fever is going unchecked in China, that they're really not being effective at all in trying to slow down its spread uh, or stop its spread. 
and that's not just true of China, but other countries surrounding China. And so that's that's a real problem, not only for China, but for global meat production. Now, uh, the U.S. hog market uh, reacted as... It, let me start over. Last fall, we saw the headlines really drive a lot of interest to the story. And so we saw institutional investors really pour a lot of money into the hog futures. That rallied the futures market with that new buying interest. The hog industry responded to those higher prices by locking in profitable margins for the coming year and expanding their production. And they did so before China really needed our pork because they were living off the reserves that they had. Those reserves are starting to draw down now. We're seeing pork prices, poultry prices, other alternative meat prices start to rise over the last several weeks in China. China is starting to ramp up its imports. In fact, if we look at uh, imports overall uh, to China and to Hong Kong, they've totaled uh, 60 million pounds. That's up 81% versus last year. Uh, at a 24-month high. Um, so we are starting to see that demand go to China. The problem is we, we've ramped up production too quickly, and so right now we have a glut of pork in this country. That is impacting beef supplies at the retail sector as well because if retailers have all this cheap pork, they're more apt to promote the pork rather than the beef. That starts putting downward pressure on beef prices. So that's made it tough for the uh, cattle market to put in a low. We anticipate maybe we would see cash cattle put in a low and uh, start to firm this week. Um, but the board just not reflecting that yet. And it's becoming a little harder sell with uh, product prices falling today. Do you think that the, the prices and the issues that we've been dealing with with the hogs in the last couple of weeks has been kind of the downfall of all that optimism that we saw earlier in the year? I think it is. Um, and, and the story, when you look at African swine fever story, it's still ever met, bit much what we thought it would be. Uh, it's just that the industry was expecting immediate exports to China. And we tried to douse those expectations a little bit, but it's even been slower than what we anticipated because the reserve in China has been larger. So we live in a microwave society that wants the results here and now. This is going to be a slow developing story, uh, and we think it's going to continue to develop. Right now, we're saying that hog feeding in China is down 45% year on year. That's a tremendous drop. That's a drop of over 300 million hogs per year in feeding, and it's going to take a long time to get that back. And uh, so we see extended demand there, significance. We think exports will ramp up the end of the year. But for now, we've got to deal with this glut of supply of meat on the market. We think that over the next 6 to 12 months, that's going to dramatically change from being a glut of meat toward a shortage of meat. Um, and, and a lot of it focused on the, the shortage of meat in East Asia. Looking at the cattle market, uh, we saw some lower trade, like you said, for the August feeders, but some gains at the last minute for everybody else. Yeah, we did see some of that strength the last minute, particularly in the feeder market more than in the fats. Uh, part of that, I think, is technical in nature. Uh, the latest CFTC report uh, that came out on Monday showed that uh, the funds had built uh, some scary short positions in the feeder cattle market. I think that was a little bit sobering to some of the traders, starting to cover some of those short positions now and, and building a little bit of a bottom in here from a technical standpoint. And looking at the, the fats, are we going to continue to see some struggles for them? <clears throat> 
I'm sorry, ask it. Are we going to, with the fats, are we going to continue to see oh. some struggles? I think we're going to continue to see some struggles because of the amount of pork that we have on the market. Now, as we um, get into the later this year, when we expect those pork exports to increase, that starts to support pork prices again, if that happens as we expect. And then as you get into 2020, I think maybe you run the risk of those pork prices getting high enough that you start getting a consumer shift here in the United States from pork to beef and poultry. And then that starts to support the beef prices. When we had the strong rally earlier in the year in, in hog prices and pork prices, we saw some of that. And I think when we get those prices back to that level, we'll see that shift again and maybe be a little bit more sustained. And quickly, Cash, on, are we going to see a pickup tomorrow or are we going to wait till Friday? Well, at this point, I'd say maybe it's going to end up being on Friday uh, as the market kind of holds out and sees and lets us unfold. The feeders are holding on pretty strong. All right. Sounds good, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? INTLFCStone.com. All right. Thanks so much. Arlen Suderman joining us today. It's been the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the World Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.